0: Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Smith. I support Burnley. I host the Burnley FT podcast, No Name Ever, which you can find at net. Hi, I'm Peter
2: Johnson. Uh, I'm editor of Hull City Fans Group, Tiger Link can find us at www.tigling.com and on Twitter and Facebook, 50 years a whole city fan.
3: Hi, I'm Catherine Wilson uh, from Middlesbrough, following Middlesbrough wherever I can.
0: All right, thanks so much for joining us. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at your clubs, your promotion, and then how you're preparing for this coming Premier League season. Uh, we'll start off with you, Jamie, and what's been happening over at Burnley.
1: Yeah, um, interesting summer, really. First of all, uh, it's only right that I go first since Burnley finished first in the Championship, so I'm, I'm glad we got that sorted on the order. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a strange one, really, because I think um, the Euros got in the way of a, a lot of transfer activity. Certainly for us, we've not had a lot of signings yet, Um the club's put some new floodlights up (laughs) but there's not been that much happened Just two new signings so far a goalkeeper Nick Pope from Charlton who I think we all expect to be third choice second choice at best and another player from Charlton Iceland international Johan Gudmundsson it seems like he's going to be quite a good fit for the the group as Sean Dyche likes to say but not a particularly thrilling signing I think everyone's hoping that there's going to be some some more new arrivals in the the next couple of weeks because the squad as it stands for me is actually weaker than it was at the end of last season which is obviously a bit of a concern the thing for us this time is that it's it's going to be our third crack at the Premier League in seven or eight years so I think we really have to target survival rather than taking the experience this time especially considering i think the the television deal being as it is the advantage is is staying in the premier league not getting to it and you start to become part of the elite little club and i think it's going to be more more towards a group of maybe 25 clubs that are premier league clubs and then just a few come up and down um in the next few years so hopefully some some more new arrivals i think um The departure of Joey Barton's hit us quite hard even though it was towards the start of the summer he went to join Rangers Um, and we're we're really going to miss him. I remember a year ago uh, talking about Barton coming to the club, less than a year ago in fact, and a lot of people had reservations because of his, his past and he's been in prison and attacking people on the football pitch so... A lot of people had doubts, but it was absolutely fantastic for us and it was such a shock when he decided to to go and play in the Scottish Premier League instead, which maybe is an indication he doesn't feel he's up to the Premier League anymore. But he's certainly going to leave a, a big gap in our midfield and that's that's an area that we're going to have to address because at the moment our central midfield is going to be basically the same as it was in the Premier League three years ago when it wasn't good enough. So certainly needs to be new arrivals there and there should be money to spend, so hopefully the money will get spent very soon
0: all right obviously um you probably do need to spend a lot of money a lot of questions asked about whether or not you'll be able to hang on to, to Keane at the back what's the current status of that
1: uh, i'm not sure to be honest it seems to have gone a bit quiet though the club hasn't commented publicly because they don't tend to do that when transfers are ongoing they only say anything once once it's been completed i think the fact that he hasn't signed a new contract is crucial um Ashley Barnes, Ben Mee, two of the key players that have committed their future to the club this summer. So the fact that they've signed and Keane hasn't is obviously um, a bit of a clue as to to his plans. He's got two years left on his contract, so there's no massive pressure for us to sell. And for me, the bottom line is that it it doesn't really matter how big the offer gets from Leicester. It's still going to be worth more to us to stay up And we'd have a better chance of staying up if Keane is the only player than if he left. And then we've got to try and replace him with only a couple of weeks to go before the season starts. So I'm hopeful that he'll stay. He doesn't seem the sort of player who would kick up a fuss and and demand to move. Um, I think the sensible thing for everyone would be to say, stay for this summer. If you want to go next year, we'll accept offers over X amount. Because he still needs to prove himself in the Premier League. A couple of years ago, he got dropped from the team. For a 37-year-old Michael Duff so although he's developed a lot in the, the 18 months or so since that happened he's not the complete package by any stretch and while I totally understand why a move to, to Leicester would be attractive obviously the the champions of the Premier League they're going to be playing in the Champions League next season I still think he needs to, to guarantee himself first team football and he would do that at Burnley and he's going to learn more about defending at Burnley than he is at, at Leicester City where he's, he's going to have to do more defending
3: um, I personally don't think they're we should be um, reading too much into the standings of last season. You know, everybody got there on their own merit, but happy for Jamie to have that one. <laughs> um, so, um, great sort of summer break from Middlesbrough so far. I, c- I couldn't really be any happier about what's gone on. Um, it was a quiet few weeks. And then as we got into July, after just having picked up a couple of players, so we picked up uh, Martin Darun from Atalanta. Um, and Victor Fisher from Ajax, who I'll talk about a bit later on. Everyone's quite excited about him. Um, we went away at all guns firing, and um, Karanka's brought in tons of players. Um, so almost every day in, in Middlesbrough, people have been really excited. Who's coming in now? We're strengthening all areas of the pitch. And along the way, as we've done that, we've brought in some uh, fairly big names, which obviously people the world over would get excited about. So the first one being um, former Barcelona and Man United goalkeeper Victor Valdez, um, bringing in some real experience to the team. Um, Despite having a kind of checkered past and uh, not the best of luck with injuries, um, he's going to be absolutely fantastic for us, I hope. Um, So that's definitely one to watch there. Um, And then at the other end of the park, um, this week, we finally sealed the deal for Alvaro Negredo, um, already got his next score sheet yesterday um, in a pre-season friendly out in Spain. Um, so obviously he's going to be a big part of Carranca's plans too. Um, but given that we haven't really uh, shipped anyone out, I think it's going to be interesting just to see how all these new players fit in with the squad that we had last year and you know if the way we played is going to fundamentally change or if we're just going to carry on the way we were.
0: Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording about kind of the the big things that we in the Premier League really heard about Middlesbrough last year, which was uh, Karanka potentially stepping down and then he didn't. And then the the big transfer deal for Jordan Rhodes on deadline day. Now you bring in another striker. What are your thoughts on those two things?
3: Um, The Karanka thing last year was incredibly strange. And um, I think it was around that time that I actually um, was speaking with Jamie about this. And I was saying, well, I don't think he can come back. Um, how can you come back when the club has turned you away from training? Um, there must be so much unrest in the dressing room. Uh, and then we had a horrible game um, away at Charlton that I was at, where we lost 2-0 to this side who were, you know, long since doomed to relegation and we played terribly. Uh, and I really couldn't see any way back from us, for us from that. Um but remarkably, Karanka managed to come back um, and it was pretty much the outstanding form of Gaston Ramirez um, from then onwards that really pulled things out of the bag for us. So he got five goals in eight games uh, in March uh, and that just turned things around for us. And we went from a position where I couldn't see us, you know, potentially not even getting into the playoffs to finally finish in second. So that was great. Um the other key point, Jordan Rhodes, uh, an interesting one, and definitely one that um, fans of other championship clubs have been quite interested in. Um, so we did pay quite a lot of money for him in in championship terms, and he did come to us with you know a, a reputation. Following him, um, didn't kind of hit the ground firing an all solid straight away, but definitely did chip in with some really important goals. Um, the one at Bolton uh, springs to mind where we'd, we'd gone one nil down to them. Again, another team who were doing terribly um, helped us to pull that back. We ended up winning the game. Um, but I think he's got a lot to prove. Um, so hopefully that's where players like Negredo can help to bring him through, I guess. Hopefully. I think Rod, Rhodes is one who definitely, uh, if he plays well, it's because he's feeling confident. So I think it's going to be to do with that mentality, as to how well he'll do this season.
0: Do you think we'll see them paired or just rotated?
3: Well, that's an interesting one, because um, Karanka's definitely a fan of just playing with the lone striker up front. Um, We've not seen a lot of two up front. Uh, Middlesbrough fans were quite vocal, actually. You know, when we did sign Rhodes, we've got um, Jordan Rhodes, we've got David Nugent, two fairly successful strikers. Why don't you play them up front together? Because we haven't been winning games for a while. Uh, Karanka did that and it didn't really work so I guess he kind of proved his point there about the formation and how he likes to play um, but I know that in the recent pre-season games he has been going with two up front again so I think it's a case of experimentation and with the squad being as deep as it is now um, I think we're going to see a lot of chopping and changing in, in, over the first few weeks of the season and it's it's hard to know which way it's going to land to be honest.
0: All right, well, thank you. On to uh, Peter and Hull. Obviously, it's been a strange week for you thus far, but talk us a little bit first through uh, how you got promoted. Yeah, first,
2: first of all, certainly it's a contrast, fair to say, contrast in emotions uh, compared with the very positive outlooks there from uh, Jamie and Catherine. But uh, looking back to happier times, shall we say, last season was... Uh, a bit of a bonus when we went up via the playoffs. It was in many ways a disappointing season under Steve Bruce. Steve managed the side well, and we had some very good players in our squad. But the truth is, I don't really think he knew his best side, even by the end of the season. And in the January transfer window, we got Nick Powell uh, from Wigan and and got him on loan and didn't really spend any money when other clubs were spending money. And it was at that point where the real tension began between, we think, Steve Bruce and the younger owner of our club, Mr Alam. And and that coincided with a decline in our fortunes, because I think we may have been one of the last clubs to beat Burnley. And when we did so, that was sort of like the height of our season. Because although we finished in the playoffs we were to some extent lucky because we sort of hung around in the right area of the table, played okay, played very well on occasions, but looked very ordinary on occasions as well. So getting through the playoffs was a huge bonus, fantastic goal and win at Wembley. But it's fair to say that we got promoted to the Premier League, desperately excited about that. But we got promoted because of a reasonably good squad, a good manager in Steve Bruce, and despite of the influence of our owners, who have been causing mayhem off the pitch now for three years, turning the club into complete turmoil and a laughing stock. So, moving on to sort of like the last week or so, the departure of Bruce was sadly inevitable. It's a miracle that he held on so long. Because behind the scenes, it must have been extremely difficult for him to operate. Essentially, since two and a half years ago, the name change request from our owners, the Alans, was snubbed by the FA, they appear to have lost all interest in the club, and their focus has been on disruption, uh, having the club up for sale, but not actually trying to sell it, if you see what I mean, and trying to get their revenge on fans' just look for publicity rather than actually work to get the club in the Premier League. I have no doubt that they would have departed had we not not gone up. And I think the only reason they've hung around is that they are probably attracted by the hobnobbing with the upper classes and connected people at the more sophisticated Premier League clubs than anything to do with football which is a sad state of affairs. And at the moment, it looks like there will be more people outside the ground at most home games protesting rather than in the ground. It is that bad. There have been substantial protests already at pre-season games. And it's difficult to get over just how crazy our owners are. They are oddball and strange. But it's all about, I think, uh, the lesson to learn here is that when you have wealthy owners and they've got many hundreds of millions. It's great as long as they're happy, but if they're upset and their pride is wounded, and that's what happened when their name change uh, request was, was turned out by the FA, they then become irrational, uh, and they don't want to lose face, and that's not in the best interest of the football club. So great they had money to actually support the club initially, but I don't think their heart has been in the club for a long time. Just moving on to our preparations for the season, our preparations effectively have been the departure of Steve Bruce, uh, our best or at least our most successful manager. Uh, He brought us a flirtation with European football, two promotions to the Premier League and an FA Cup final, which is way, way beyond anything we'd achieved in the previous 110, whatever it was, years of our history. So putting it in context, it's a huge, huge achievement. But as it stands at the moment, we have 14 fit players and roundabouts. It's generally uh, considered to be true, based although it, it is still rumour. Seven of those currently want are desperate to leave because of the state of the club. We've made no significant signings. We have signed one young goalkeeper, I think from uh, possibly from Wimbledon, And we have Peter Oddenwingy on trial, who I think is still technically a Stoke player and had a long-term injury and is 35 years old. So most fans are very concerned at the fact that we have no new signings, very concerned that we have owners who will be in charge of the purse strings and choosing players we may sign. Very concerned that most of our players want to leave. Very concerned that Mike Phelan has been thrown into the role as temporary manager, whether he likes it or not. And many are very concerned that the favourite to be our new new manager is Steve Evans, who many of us consider not to be quite up to uh, managing a club that's desperate to stay in the Premier League. So the word turmoil is overused, but it's turmoil at our club at the moment. I mean, we had a reasonable squad coming up and some good players, but I don't see how they could in any way be motivated at the moment. There is just so much going on as a ne- of a negative nature. Uh, it really is very worrying, and it's only, what, three weeks until we play uh, Leicester at home mm. on the opening day of the season on, on the 13th of August. So, you know, we've got a very short time to get a manager in place and, you know, get a few players in. But the hard truth is our club will not move forward and has no, stand, no chance of staying in the Premier League for as long as our owners are in place. Most fans fear the damage they will do. Uh, they are upset and angry and are looking to cause mayhem. So no manager worth his salt will actually come in and take the post and operate under the conditions that they will impose. So we are likely to get either Mike Feeling as a temporary manager or we're going to get someone who is desperate for a job, uh, you know, a Steve McLaren or someone like that, who Mm. played for us, uh, had about 170 appearances for us and might be a logical uh, choice to some and might come cheap. So we are starting the season in disarray with fans desperately annoyed and in fear for the future of their football club, Mm. despite the elation of being back in the Premier League. So it is, to quote a bit of Dickens for you, it is the best of times and it is the worst of times.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, the ownership there and that it seems like they're just kind of out to get the fans I'm sure that this is a a very fairly simplistic uh, question, uh, but why are they still sticking around if there is such strife between them and pretty much everyone else associated?
2: because they they clearly like to play lots of games with the fans and with the media and with the public around the country. Uh, they've introduced a crazy membership scheme which withdrew concessions for youngsters and pensioners and was the only, which made us the only team in Europe didn't give those concessions. That was purely to get publicity for the club. But they are staying because, allegedly, they are looking for the right owner to buy a football club. But the general consensus of opinion is that the reason they have stayed is that first of all, they didn't want to leave and have some other owner take the glory of getting in the Premier League. Plus, it's a pride thing. They are desperate, desperate to actually leave with their heads hung high, if you see what I mean, rather than be hounded out by the fans or leave on a negative wave. And, I mean, they've got enough money where they can manipulate the situation. I mean, some people think they never actually wanted to leave, despite having had the club up for sale for two years, and that they've just, they just played games. Uh, you know, who knows? The trouble is, when interviewed, both uh, Asem Alam and Alam don't give rational answers to questions. You ask one question, they will answer another. You cannot get logic from them. Their approach, their approach is irrational and very worrying. And when fans see that, obviously it doesn't inspire them. And this is what I mean about is getting promotion despite the role of our owners. And just finally, off the pitch, we are like a pub team. Getting tickets for Wembley, getting season tickets, anything to do with that was totally, utterly disgraceful. The organisation of the club has collapsed behind the scenes. Everything was done wrong. They hired a contact centre to phone up former season ticket holders and and actually cold sell over the phone. They introduced an £89 joining fee for a membership scheme which simply gave you the right to buy a season ticket. It didn't actually do anything for you. And... Thousands are staying away from games now rather than going at a time when it should be the absolute highlight of our history because it is us being part of one of the most, well, probably the most high profile competitive Premier League season that we will ever see.
0: All right. Well, from there we will head on into the topic, which is going to be a little bit of what are you what are you going to miss about the championship, and what are you most looking forward to about the Premier League? Uh, we'll start off with Peter. What, what are your thoughts on those two uh, thoughts? What, what are you thinking you'll miss most from the championship, and what are you most hoping uh, to experience in the Premier League this season?
2: Hey, well, let's look. let's be a bit more positive now. Being so gloomy, what will I miss? Well, in many ways, the the low key aspects of the championship do have some attraction. It means that, you know, (laughs) at home games particularly, there's a a bit more room to move about and, um, you know, we do score goals. One of the problems we've had in our times in the Premier League is that we, we have long periods of possession without scoring and we've not really, you know, hammered sides more than three or four times in our spells in the Premier League whereas in the Championship there were, despite our sometimes ordinary form, we, we, we played some very good football on occasions, scored good goals, had some good players. We had Mr. Hernandez, who had a great season last year and enjoyed the championship and showed his quality and a time to develop his confidence. So, you know, I really will miss that sort of being stronger than many of the sides we play. It's a simple thing but so, so important. The Premier League, I'm looking forward to, despite what you've just heard massively, because it's great to take on the best. Obviously, you want your own side to be as strong as possible, and you want to feel, you know, we've got some players here that can really go give Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, etc., a really good game. And obviously, we're lacking that at the moment. But the whole thing of seeing the, you know, the top sides again, you know, um, Guardiola and uh, Mourinho, um, all the top managers we have, uh, just playing sides of that stature is fantastic for a side like Hull City. And, I mean, you know, I'm sure eventually for the bigger games, we will fill our stadium. And, you know, it's just tremendous to have that media focus where you just see so much about your club locally and nationally and you get your information so quickly and most of all and the irony of everything I've discussed so far 2017 Hull is the city of culture and it will be the focus of attention from across a lot of Europe because there are lots of cultural events in Hull in 2017. So it's particularly good that we have a Premier League club in that year. Uh, I would have liked the background to our uh, new season to have been slightly different, and I'm hopeful that by 2017 we will have more stability with our club. But, you know, it's a fantastic thing that, you know, we are are the city of culture, and we will have numerous musical, theatrical, and outdoor events which will make national news headlines. So it's great to be a a top-level football club to accompany that.
0: All right, and uh, Catherine, what are you most looking forward to this season?
3: Um, Well, just to start with the championship, I am actually going to miss it a little bit because it is a great league, Um, and I will still be keeping an eye on it, even though I'm not there next season. Um, But it's a great league with loads of stuff happening all the time, and sometimes you know more interesting than what's going on in the Premier League in some weeks. Um, On a personal level, I... Loved visiting the various grounds in the championship uh, over the past few seasons when Middlesbrough have been in the championship. Um, going to some great old-fashioned clubs like Brentford, where you still have um, the terraces there. And it's a small ground with a great atmosphere. Um, and then to the other extremes, going up to Milton Keynes Dons with this fantastic, shiny new stadium, but hardly anybody in it. Um, it's, it's, there's lots of um, variety there. Um, so I will miss that um, but going up to the Premier League obviously very prestigious you're on the world stage you have you know financial situation improves generally when this happens um, but it is the case of going from being the big fish in the small pond up big to the small fish in the big pond and how will the club react to that um, and how will the fans you know hope from potentially going from a really successful season where we've lots of goals and we can be confident of a win against most teams that we're facing, to maybe, you know, not winning most of our games. Actually, that's that's what could be on the table for any club that gets promoted these days. Um, personally, I was hoping that um, both Sunderland and Newcastle would uh, stay in the Premier League. It would have been quite good for the North East as a whole, um, and I think that's a big part of football in England is how much the success of the football club particularly in the smaller towns and cities like Middlesbrough, uh, Burnley and Hull, um, how much that impacts on the local area, the local economy and just the general you know feelings of happiness in the area. Um, People put a lot of hope and faith into the football club and um, particularly in Middlesbrough an area that's had um, very hard times in the past few years in terms of the economy and industries dying off and people losing their jobs. Something as simple as having your football club in the Premier League can really make a big difference to the area.
1: Yeah, I'd echo a lot of what what Catherine and and Peter have said in the last few minutes, really. Um, I think one of the good things about the Championship is that if you do have a disappointing result and it's not quite going your way, you're probably going to have another game In three or four days time there's a lot of midweek games a lot of two two games in a week so there is that opportunity to bounce back and go again very quickly um i suppose one of the difference with the the fewer games in the premier league is that if you you have a setback and it can be an international break and then you're looking at a fortnight three weeks until your next game so that's that's going to be tough and the adjustment is always tricky from as has been noted, being a, a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond, being a small fish in a in a massive pond, but I think um, in terms of mentality, Burnley in particular, with having that experience of the Premier League a couple of times already in the last few years, they have to act like they belong, rather than acting like it's a bit of a holiday from the Championship, which I think they've been guilty of in the last couple of years. Um, what I'm looking forward to, again, same as what's been said, really, the big boys coming to surf mode, it's going to be fantastic to see the likes of Ben Mee taking on Zlatan Ibrahimović, Dean Marney playing against Cesc Fabregas, Andre Gray against John Terry. I reckon Gray will have Terry on toast, actually. <laughs> so it would be great to see our best against the country's best and the world's best. So that's always the, the test, and I think you've got to try and enjoy this. But like, like I've said, I think we have to um, aim to be competitive and really really believe that we belong in the Premier League because the indication is that we can become established like a a Swansea or a West Brom and sort of copy the the model of, of what the smaller clubs have, have been able to achieve. I think one of the things also, bizarrely, is that ticket prices are going to be more affordable for, for a lot of games in the Premier League. It's going to be 30 quid maximum for away supporters, which is pretty reasonable for top-level football. Um whereas some of the, the away games in the championship I think are pushing forty pounds. I think Sheffield Wednesday charge over forty pounds for their away supporters. So um counterintuitively maybe it's going to be a bit more affordable to follow your team away in the Premier League and it'll be great to visit some of the, the fantastic stadiums in the, the Premier League the likes of Old Trafford that are totally different to um Brentford and MK Dons that, that Catherine <laughs> mentioned. Um one thing for us is is that the lack of a local derby is going to be a big difference i'm sure a lot of burnley fans will miss playing blackburn although a lot of the the fuss around the fixture makes it quite difficult to cope with it's one of these dedicated bubble matches so you have to travel there on the coach and get treated like a an animal for the whole afternoon so um pros and cons to that but not having a local derby i think um is a bit of a shame it always adds a bit of extra spice and a bit of needle um but I'm sure uh, the little rivalry between Middlesbrough and Burnley will, will continue to develop a bit over the next few months, prompted, no doubt, by the, the local media on, on both sides of that one. All right,
0: well, thanks for that. Now we're going to head into Player Watch, where instead of just discussing players that have impressed and haven't impressed, because you don't learn that much from friendlies, we're going to talk about players, that we should keep a lookout from each of your clubs. We're going to try to avoid forwards because all of you have good ones with Andre Gray at Burnley and Abel Hernandez at Hull. Anybody that's ever listened to the show knows about my weird love obsession with him. And then with Catherine, we already discussed uh, Negredo and Rhodes. But uh, yeah, we will keep it with Jamie. Who should we really be looking out for in this Burnley team?
1: Well, Gray is the obvious one, but um, as he said, no strikers. I'm sure everyone has <laughs> already read about it. Um, Read about Andre Gray. I think um, one player who could have a a really big say on our season is Michael Keane, assuming he stays. I think um, the back four was fantastic for the second half of the season. We were unbeaten for 23 games as we um, won the championship in the end. And I think um, as Keane developed and matured, I think he played a a big role in leading that defence. He's also a, a really important threat from attacking set pieces, which... Um, when you're one of the smaller clubs and you're not fancied to do well in a lot of games you have to make the most of set pieces we defended set pieces really badly a couple of years ago and we didn't make the most of our own so I think the first aim has got to be to score more from our set pieces than we do concede from opposition ones and Keane's got a massive role to play there, he needs to be looking at Scoring five or six goals, absolute minimum. Um, weirdly, actually, his his twin brother Will is being linked with a six point five million move to somewhere I think. And Michael Keane, who is a centre back, has outscored his brother over the course of his career, even though he's a striker. So certainly watch <laughs> out for. For Michael Keane, we might not keep a lot of clean sheets, but I'd be surprised if, if Keane's not getting on the score sheet himself a few times. I'd back him to go and get half a dozen goals, at least in the league, cause he's really, really dangerous in the air. And hopefully um, one of our new signings will take very good set pieces, because I think that's a weakness in the squad at the moment.
0: All right, and Catherine, uh, who who should we keep an eye on in this Middlesbrough squad?
3: Well, um, I already touched earlier on a couple of experienced players who um, we've managed to bring in this year. So they're the more high-profile ones that everybody will be interested in seeing how they've done because Valdes and Negredo, they've both had uh, checkered pasts, shall we say. So people will be interested in seeing how they get on. Um, In terms of uh, new signings, um, I'm very excited about Victor Fisher who comes from Ajax. Um, He's actually... A pretty successful winger. Um, has done really well over the past few years. Um, but just lately, uh, Karanka's been playing in in the centre of midfield, which is quite interesting. So um definitely one to watch there, see how he'll fit in with everybody else. Um and I just wanted to draw attention to um the Middlesbrough defence. Um People who are interested in the championship will know last season because it was kind of spoken about all the time that Middlesbrough had this, you know, the best record in the country and the defence was fantastic. And definitely one of the key reasons, if not the main reason, that we managed to get promoted in the end. Um, so our, our defensive pair of Daniel Ayala and Ben Gibson, um, they work so well together. They're absolutely brilliant Um but Ayala in the past two seasons has picked up um fairly bad injuries around the February time. Um and looking at Middlesbrough's running at the end of the um Premier League season in twenty seventeen, I think we play um six of the sort of really big teams in the last eight games. So if things haven't gone well up to that point, everyone's gonna be very nervous about that running. Um so I'm sure that Karanka is still looking to strengthen in that area. Um so we were in the market over the past few weeks to get a couple of new defenders and nothing went through. Um, So that's still an area that potentially we could see some new names coming in. Um, And I did read earlier, Peter, that we may be on the market for Harry Maguire. Uh, Not someone I know a lot about, but I think he was fairly consistent for you last year. So that'll be interesting to see if he makes the move over to, to Middlesbrough.
2: Oh yeah, that might be an appropriate point for me to come in there
0: Yeah,
2: because uh, I was going to mention Harry. Uh, obviously in our current situation it's a little bit difficult to talk about players who we think are going to make an impact this season because we want to make sure first of all that they're going to stay and obviously we're hoping that a decent number will. Uh, Harry Maguire is a, a defender and I'll talk about him shortly but I, I need to sort of start with saying that one of our strengths as a club in recent times. This will be no surprise to people who, who know Steve Bruce as manager. Steve is is very strong on defence. He builds his side based on defence. And last season, one of the real pluses was uh, a lad called Moses Odebajo, who we got from Brentford and Fashmore Brentford, that I think uh, Catherine mentioned earlier. And uh, he was just one of these players who it's always exciting when you support a club to see a player really progress and get better in just a just a season. And he did that last season. And he played wonderfully at Wembley in our playoff win. Uh, but very sadly, he's now out for six months with a serious injury. So that's a huge blow to us even before we go on to our, our recent problems, as is goalkeeper Alan McGregor. Um, and Michael Dawson who's out for two or three months I think but um, yeah the, the, the players I would ask you to look out for first of all I'll start with Harry Maguire who is a raw big bustling centre half of an old fashioned variety he's sort of half cultured footballer half clogger but he's an absolute legend of the club the fans love him and if he departed they would be heartbroken he is another player who is slowly improving. He was signed by Bruce from Sheffield United, where he was also very popular. He's still youngish, I think around about the 23 mark, and would be an excellent acquisition for any club, and would just about be good enough for the Premier League, I believe. Although, you know, he probably needs to play... Uh, a run of games in the Premier League. So I'm hoping we can hold on to him because we certainly don't want to sell him. But I did see that there was a bid in rumoured from uh, Middlesbrough for £4 million. So in addition to Moses uh, and Harry, I just need to mention again, who who I I think last time I was on the podcast, I mentioned uh, Andrew Robertson, who's a Scottish international fullback. We probably didn't see the best of him last season only in flashes, but he's... He's one of two or three of our players who are, you know, we've we've allegedly had 12, 15 million pound interest from the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool. And I think he's one of these players who wouldn't need to get much better to be signed by somebody like that for seriously good money. So again, in the Premier League, it's a chance for him to shine and we are desperately keen to hold on to him Um. You will recognise him in a game by his surging runs and his speed and his ability to take players on. Even though he plays as a wing-back and has defensive duties, he is very much an attacking player. So, certainly one to look out for. Just moving on as per the, the menu to which position needs to be strengthened, well, uh, how long have you got? We've been searching for a goalkeeper with Alan McGregor injured. Although I need to give a mention, you know, on, on players to look out for, Eldin Jakupovic is our goalkeeper who uh, played extremely well in the playoff final. And is still a work in progress, but he's one of these lads who you cannot dislike because, relative to his ability, he always really gives a hundred percent and plays with total commitment and passion for the club. So he needs a mention. But really, we need need three strikers, maybe four strikers, because we have only two strikers at the club. We seem, under Bruce, totally obsessed with buying midfielders. So we need a little bit of quality up front. Uh, We need more goals. We can't rely purely on Hernandez. We have a strong midfield, but probably too many in midfield, although... Recent injuries mean that, you know, probably the, the midfield players will, will all get a game, perhaps playing out of position. And it's probably fair to say that in the absence of Moses or Joe and his injury, we may be looking for another right-sided fullback. back But, uh, you know, it, it's hard to talk because of the uncertainty of the club. It's obviously a little difficult to talk about which areas need to be strengthened because that may change if players depart in the next three or four weeks but uh i hope i've highlighted some some real positives there in the side and, and players that we're really looking forward to watching in the premier league
0: and we will wrap up by talking about what each of your club's objectives will be heading into the season starting with jamie where do you think you'll finish
1: uh well survival's obviously the objective I'd probably say that's the case for for all three of us this season um I'm hoping that we have more of a go than the last two times. I think uh, the first time we were in the Premier League, we were disrupted quite badly by our manager leaving. Owen Cole left halfway through the season and that had a really destabilising effect on, on the club and all the players lost a lot of confidence as a result of that. Um, but second time out, we just never really got to grips with the whole experience being in the Premier League. I think it was 10 games um, without a win and when you have that sort of start to the season it's very hard to recover from that or almost effectively rally in October to be honest although you've still got a lot of games to come um, so I think a fast start is very important, we've got a lot of home games to start because we've switched our games with Liverpool as their stadium is still being rebuilt apparently um, so that means I think we start with something like 5 from 7 at Turf Moor um, under the new the new shiny footlights. so it's very very important um, that we get some good results on the board early doors because the flip side to that fix just what Liverpool means I think we've got four in a row away in March so that could be a really tricky period um, at the minute I'm sure everyone would take 17th but unless we make significant signings in the in the transfer window and they need to be um, in the next week or so really because and Sean Dyche is very keen on his fitness. After Joey Barton signed last year, I keep talking about Joey Barton. It's like I'm obsessed with him. Um, but it took it took Barton a couple of weeks, <laughs> a couple of months to get up to the required fitness levels to start games. So if we don't sign anyone until deadline day, they're not going to be ready to play until October. That's like a third of the season, a quarter of the season already gone. So we need to be signing players soon. Um, and I think two or three big first team players, certainly midfielders need to come in if we're going to have much chance so um I hate being negative but at the moment we are going to be among the favorites to go down with Hull probably given everything that's going on there unless unless significant investment is made in the squad
0: all right and
3: Catherine yeah I can uh, echo the same sentiments as Jamie there in that obviously um survival is the number one thing that needs to happen next season um But I think it would be nice to see survival without it being a battle. Um, You know, not um, biting your nails down for the last 10 games of the season and um, things changing during the final 90 minutes of the the last games. Um, You know, I'd like it to be a bit more (laughs) relaxed than that at the end of the season. Um, It'd be nice as well to see some moments of magic along the way. So, you know, we're not expecting to finish in the top six, but um, just to see, you know, Maybe turning over a big team at the Riverside or just seeing some of our um, players who did so well in the championship last year really developing and progressing uh, in the top flight would be really nice.
0: All right. And Peter, obviously, we've heard about all the turmoil, but where do you think you'll finish? Yeah, uh, just keeping it simple. I think if our current owners stay,
2: we'll go down and we'll be in danger of a slump down one or two divisions but the situation is not irretrievable if that's a word, yes it is uh, if we can uh, have a change of ownership and get a decent manager in and keep hold of some players and make a few signings our home form is traditionally pretty good and we are always hard to be at home and there is a chance for us to stay in the Premier League so I've taken the second part of the, the question there If I move on to the actual objectives, certainly I would say more generally, this is our third stint in the Premier League. And had Steve Bruce stayed, his ambition would have been with Hull City to keep them in the Premier League and establish them as a Stoke, Swansea, West Brom and Stockers being a yo-yo side. The reason he wanted to stay at Hull and would have stayed at Hull if it hadn't been for extreme circumstances is that as a manager with Wigan and with Birmingham and I think with also with, with Sunderland, he got sides up from the Championship and he has a reputation for doing that. But where he needs to progress and become a top manager is that he needs to take a side up and establish them in the Premier League Rather than just keep him there for a season or two, and that's where he is as a manager. He's on the edge of being top class but not quite there yet. So that would have been the club's objective to stop being a yo-yo side. More generally now, the wider objective will be stability. Alongside all the the mayhem of the last few years and the topsy-turvy roller co- coaster ride that we've had, we need stability we need changes from top to bottom off the field and stability on it to do justice to the club we need to get back fan consultation and have a properly run football club where we have a reasonable communication between fans and the club and just just an ordinary football club we just need a return to normal because we've had our first share of turmoil over the years. And as I say, without harking on about this too much, it's a huge opportunity for Hull in our 2017 City of Culture. I think both Jamie and and Catherine mentioned, you know, the importance to the local community. In Hull in particular, it's an unfashionable place, high unemployment. Being in the Premier League and the City of Culture provides us with an opportunity we've never had before it is a huge opportunity to be a focus and we want to make the best of that we don't want to see on sky tv banners of alarm out and discontent and negativity we are desperate for positivity it's just at the moment it's difficult to do that so in mm-hmm. conclusion the objective is stability survival obviously but ideally that extra step to establish ourselves as a Premier League club.
0: Fair enough. Well, that is it for us today. So if you guys have any projects you want to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time.
1: Yeah, I've been Jamie Smith. I host the Burnley FC podcast, No Name Ever, which you can find at no and I'll also be contributing stuff for ESPN FC over the course of the season as well.
3: I'm Catherine Wilson. I am contributing to ESPNFC writing about all things Middlesbrough. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I am at Basslady.
2: Yeah, hi, I'm Peter Johnson. Um, I'm editor of Hull City's social media group, Tiger Link. We're at www.tigerlink.co.uk. We're on Twitter and Facebook. We're running a campaign to get a statue for Ebenezer cob Morley. The founder of Modern Day Football, first secretary of the FA, and we contribute to a lot of local radio and media stuff, and we very much hope to be invited back to this one.
0: Yeah, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at KevRoth. As always, if you'd like to reach the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Also going up with this, which was uh, not entirely on purpose, but is going to work out quite nicely. Uh, We had the very first episode of the Championship Roundtable, which should be a good companion piece to this. It should be up by the time you're listening to this. It's hosted by Jake Jackman, uh, formerly of this show, Talking All Things Newcastle, and now Talking All Things Championship. So uh, do go follow them over there as well. Uh, So thank you so much for joining us, guys. Uh, Peter, no worries. We will have you back. We're looking forward to having all of you back throughout the season to hear about what's going on at your clubs. And we wish you all the best, and we hope you keep listening.